I am ready. Did you enjoy those uh, bloopers from last week? I didn't actually get to listen to them. Ah. I realized I, I, I did start the episode, but I um, turned it off at one point. Something came up, and I had to turn it off, and then I didn't get back to it. Ah. Well, I was actually able to include a blooper from uh, our talk with the moms. So. Oh, very nice. Welcome back to Dad's Meat World. I'm making Tyler look really weird at me through the camera because I was twirling my Twizzlers. I found You're like just, you are just a dad. You are a goofy. Just oh, I actually get my hand. I gotta move it around. I found like foot and a half long Twizzlers at the store today, and or the other day when uh, I had to pick up some candy for Friday night. And I'm snacking on it since so Tyler's not the only one eating Pop-Tarts and other junk food while we talk. It is Dad's Meat World, your weekly podcast that explores all things Boy Meets World from a dad's perspective. Uh, I am Brett, dad number one this week, your pod daddy extraordinaire. And joining with me, as mentioned, is dad number two this week, Tyler. Yes, the pooper scooper this week himself. How are you, everyone? Well, we're we're waiting. <laughs> I'm going to take that silence to mean that you're all doing great. <laughs> if you're asking about me, Brett, I'm doing all right. Uh, first, well, I week was of just about to ask about went you. Went halfway so, yeah. decent. Um, to my knowledge, yeah, everything went fine. I don't know why I had that weird pause. Just we have something weird going around our house right now, and I can't describe it. But all I know is it's has to deal with sinus pressure and whatnot so i'm waking up with that today and a little stuffiness so you know there's nothing worse than when you have a toddler who is dealing with some stuffiness and well no not toddler yet still baby terminology is <laughs> oh, yeah. fun stuff he's, he's not and toddling yeah, yet <laughs> no i know it's it's <laughs> there's a, there's got to be a term for somewhere between infant and toddler right <laughs> yeah, so our almost uh, – actually, tomorrow as of recording. So by the time this comes out, uh, he'll officially be eight months old. So let's just say our eight-month-old, uh, or as he is dealing with this sinusy, nosy stuff, like he just has so much snot all over the place and had to use our electric uh, nose sucker. Mm -hmm. uh, I do highly recommend those. They're quite lovely. Mm, um, much better than those yeah. little blue bulbs. <laughs> I will say I'm on a new bus this year and just it's different. Not bad different, but just different. I don't have any high schoolers, so that's not a bad thing. <laughs> you got all the fun what about kids. You, Brett? Oh, life is interesting as as uh checking back in from last week where I shared that uh, Abby and Toby were both called back for uh, the fall play, which is Peter and the Starcatcher, uh, the prequel to Peter Pan, uh, Abby did get cast as a villain. Ooh. She is, uh, uh, let me see if I remember the, her name, uh, King Prawn, I believe it is. Ooh. But uh, she's she's a big baddie. Uh, nice. Likes to, f tries to feed people to the TikTok croc. Oh, 
Yeah, that she's very happy that she was not typecast as a child this year. So <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, Toby. Uh, <laughs> Toby will be serving on uh, stage crews. So uh, yeah, they're both going to be involved nice. this year, and yeah, very excited, very exciting. Going to be uh, a busy, busy fall this year for both of them. Nice. Yeah. So yes, uh, lots of fun stuff going on, and hey. Our uh, our high school football team, two and one for the first nice. time in our entire time watching them in our third season, put in a nice uh, performance. Uh, I, I will say the referees made some questionable decisions of how to enforce penalties and when to enforce them. I was confused myself, but uh, I, I've never seen a referee flag the opposing flag a player for a pretty obvious late hit out of bounds where the player did not even try to pull up and then decide to just pick up the flag and not enforce anything that happened when the opposing team did that to our quarterback when he ran out of bounds a couple of full steps out of bounds and the other player just came in didn't even try to pull up but uh yeah <laughs> you know you know honestly uh, here's the thing High school football on Friday nights, <laughs> they are recorded, not mm-hmm. by the news. Like, they'll get some plays here or there. But for the most part, they are recorded by both teams. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly amazed yet that we're not seeing in, like, the news of, like, questionable call was made. Team brought down the video, showed referees, referees reverse decision. You know, like it's, with, yeah. it's going to get to a point where those things are going to happen. It, it will, because there's there's one end of the field in the one end zone. They've got a camera up on like a, a 25-foot pole, so we've got the whole field from that end. And then up on the – at least on one sideline at the top of the stands, they've got another guy with a camera I know. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. But neither here nor there. It was still a pretty sound victory, so – the Cuyahoga Falls Black Tigers are two and one for the first time in my time living in town. So they're quite happy. <laughs> nice. So, Tyler, are you ready to get into this week's episode? No. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Let's dive into that synopsis for episode four of season three. We're going to talk about the show titled He Said, She Said. Now, this episode, Sean is forced to visit with a guidance counselor after continually skipping class. He misinterprets her advice and decides to drop out, catch a bus, and set out to find himself. This episode was written by Jeff Minnell, who, fun facts served as the executive story editor throughout season one and two. He had his hands on every script through the first two seasons. So he's very familiar with the show. And in season three, this is uh, the first of two episodes. We'll see where he actually is credited as a full writer. Nice. Uh, He'll go on to be the writer on classic episodes like stormy weather, cult fiction, the Eskimo, Mm -hmm. And then there was Sean and Angela's men and, you know, a handful of others. 
directed by Jeff McCracken on his fourth of 51 episodes. Originally aired October 20th of 1995. Currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 7.3. And, of course, it's time for Tyler's favorite game show. My board is not connect is not cooperating with me tonight. Oh man! Wow, vast emotional damage does not want to cooperate with me tonight. So we'll just go right into the game show music. It's vast emotional damage, where we make Tyler guess what the Nielsen rating was for this episode. Vast emotional damage. Previously. We found out that 15.4 million people tuned in to last week's episode. So, Tyler, how many million people do you think tuned in this week? Oh, last week was 15. I'm going to go with 16. Ah, You think a spike? Think it bounced back up? They have to spike up eventually, Brett. They have to. (laughs) You are correct. They did bounce back up. 16.9 this week. Very nice. Yes. Man, I'm going to have to reinstall vast emotional damage to my soundboard. It's just not there anymore for some reason. Vast emotional damage. Yes. Lenny, I'm going to have to put you back in there. Anyway, yes. Bouncing back up late October in 1995. So, what say we get into... Uh, he said, she said. Now we're going to open. All right. We're going to open in the halls of John Adams High School. And uh, Eli, our brand new media arts teacher, is going to be giving Principal Feeney a hand with some really expensive gift baskets. Because apparently seniors are hoping to get great college recommendation letters from Mr. Feeney. And they're hoping to sway his decision with really expensive gift baskets. Yep. Including beluga caviar. <laughs> yeah. Now, good looking people. I didn't look for a price range, but if you're giving a gift basket with beluga caviar in it, you've dropped some serious cash on it. And We've already established this is not necessarily a well-off school. I really have to wonder if these seniors, where do they find the money to get these, purchase these gift baskets? (laughs) Brett, you need to understand something that uh, (laughs) it's very important detail of this. And and it's something we need to really make clear of our official stance of this. And that is... A gubwa. That's right. A gubwa. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And that's it, Brett. It's just so far beyond episodes. Got an episode. A gubwa. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. But anyway, uh, Mr. Feeney's very strict with Eli. Very firm. You can't have any of it because they're going to his car and he's going to donate them to uh, a shelter. So I, I really these, and you know what? Honestly, it happens. It really yep. does happen that expensive stuff like this does get donated to shelters. It, it, 
I've yeah. seen it in real life. Well, it's, it's not a bad thing that he does Oh, not that. at all, no. Oh, no, not at all. I think I have a bigger problem with him just saying to uh, another teacher, I know he's technically his supervisor, but to say, take these to my car. <laughs> yes. Like, that's a little inappropriate of, in misuse of power, but, you know, whatever. Yes. Um, now, if he's just asking her for help, <laughs> that, sure. Though, I don't think he's that far off. No. Drop that mango, man. <laughs> okay. I have to say, this is probably the most Mr. Feeney has to be a staunchy authority figure mm-hmm. so far. Like, he comes yes. in, he yells at things, this is what's happening here, and he doesn't have a lot to do with the plot this week, which is weird, but, uh, no, he basically is there for the authority and comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when <laughs> he sees Corey playing around with a papaya he brought from home. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mr. Matthews. He's suspicious because clearly he has something to do with it. When do we ever see Corey just walking around with fruit? Where did you, Mr. Matthews, where did you get that papaya? From home. But I mean, but Topanga is having an influence on him. So he's eating healthier. He probably had it with her and he went, His dad's oh, a this grocer. Is tasty. Yeah. His dad's a grocer, but still. Yeah. I've got my eye on you. (laughs) So he probably said, hey, uh, could you bring home uh, papayas? And he goes, sure. (laughs) Yep. But we don't we don't get to we don't get Topanga this week, unfortunately. It's pretty jam packed episode. So I understand. But still, we get no Topanga. It's that weird fine line of Corey and Topanga are dating, but she's not on screen. Yeah. You know, we're, right now we're kind of in an every other episode deal, so <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we also see Eric run into Mr. Feeney for a little bit of schmoozing. Boy, what some kids will do to get into college, huh? <laughs> yes, well, save your money. They haven't built a fruit basket big enough to sway me. Oh, I wouldn't think of it, Mr. Feeney. It's the furthest thing from my mind. Right there next to your schoolwork, huh? <laughs> Yeah, just a little Feeny snark. Had to throw it in there just because it's fun. You get a little dig in at Eric. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Brett, I'll ask you, when you were applying for colleges as a homeschooler at the time, Mm -hmm. did you get a recommendation from someone? I did not. I, I actually applied to one college, one school. Um, my, I, I took the ACTs, uh, here in Ohio and I had my college application. I had no recommendation letter. They had my transcript. They had my application. They had my ACT scores. That was it. I did not get any recommendation letter, did not seek one. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? No, I got one. I mean, uh, this is the part that troubles me it's troubled me years now because literally all i did was go to my principal and said could i get a recommendation from you for college Mm. and he said yes (laughs) so it's like it's one of those deals where like i don't know why feeney's like being so staunch like unless his whole thing is like i only give recommendations to like certain students like there's Mm. a certain criteria you have to meet in order for me to 
you know, put in a good word with it, an institution. Yeah, I can understand Mr. Feeney protecting his reputation as an educator and only wanting to recommend serious-minded students. But, yeah, there is a part of me that it kind of sits oddly with that he would potentially withhold uh, a recommendation from any student who genuinely wants help getting into higher education. Right. But I mean, I will also say like when I went to, when I was applying for college, it it was a later on time period. And as a society, we kind of got away from, you got to get to college. You have no choice. You have to go to college. And a lot of the people I went to school with, they went to the workforce immediately a lot more went into the military and only so many of us went to college mm-hmm. and only so many of us finished. So it's like, it's not like it was a guarantee of like everyone was going to apply, you know? Yep. Um, and, and the, I mean, the facts was I wasn't a bad student. Like I did get honor roll, uh, every so many years. So like I wasn't like, I didn't try. <laughs> <laughs> and that could just be the fact of like people that didn't try are trying to get the recommendation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm to make it work. That's what I have to do in my head is that it's students who weren't serious and they're just trying to worm their way in now. And he's just trying to hold that barrier, that door, that. Yeah. Uh, that otherwise, it should be as simple as my principal. I would like to further my education. Can mm-hmm. you write a letter saying that I am, you know, a good student. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well Feeney uh, heads into Mr. Turner's class. Uh, you know, he interacts with Corey in there because he is in there on a mission to inform Mr. Turner that Sean missed a history test. And uh, Corey hops up because he was supposed to give an excuse, but Corey's not quite with it. And he needs Mr. Feeney's help to come help to come up with a severe case of sloth. Hong yes. Kong sloth, don't you know? <laughs> to which uh, Mr. Turner leaves school uh, before class starts. I'm th- hoping that they have a good uh, uh, substitute there that day. Uh, takes a little bit of a personal day, and uh, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Feeney has a little bit of a, uh, a thought for Corey. Not your best work, Mr. Matthews. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Casa de Turner, not Hotel de Sean, uh, Sean is ordering Forrest Gump on pay-per-view. And, uh, yeah, yeah, this is just... Sean has fully given into skipping class and just living the towny life. And Turner's just had it. He's going to send him to the guidance counselor in the morning. Doesn't work for Sean because his people are going to be observing a really important holiday tomorrow. The joke is that his people are going to stay home to come up with their their name. Sean doesn't know who his people are. Um. What did you feel about Sean's characterization that all of a sudden he's just kind of really swung into this skipping school completely now that he lives with John and we saw John making sure he gets to school or before already this season? Yeah, I, that's the thing is that like it 
it feels out of place. Like, unless Turner had to be early, so he couldn't make sure he got, like, off to school on time. Like, mm-hmm. is this the first time he's skipped and he's never skipped before? Like, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where it's just... It's the awkward, we need to have an episode about something, so this is our issue for the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did feel off. I mean, I can see Turner needing to leave early for you know a staff meeting or something, but yeah, it's... Yeah, but it feels like again, it's... How close is the apartment to the school because <laughs> even for teachers who live in town who could r- r- drive home real fast and get to their house and get back you know it's still going to take a hot minute to get there get back do what mm-hmm. you need to do and then come back like it's, we need a map <laughs> yeah good looking people we need a map <laughs> What suburb of Philly are they in? They're not in downtown Philly. Stop lying to us. We, we need to know what suburb, where Mr. Turner's apartment is in relation to John Adams High, where Corey's house is in relation to John Adams High. Then we can fill everything else in. You know what? We need to start emailing all of the people that worked on this show and be like, we have questions and we want answers. That's right. We do need to. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we're going to hop back into John Adams High the next day. Sean is not going to sit around listening for an hour to some bald-headed, long-winded, leisure suit-wearing know-it-all. And then this cute, good-looking, long-haired woman walks up and turns out she's the guidance counselor. And Sean wants her to guide him. This is uh, Devin Collins is the guidance counselor, played by Amy Leland. First and only appearance on Boy Meets World. 21 acting credits to her name, including Beverly Hills 90210, My So-Called Life, Nash Bridges, Smart Guy. She was the voice of Cerebro in Brian Singer's first X-Men movie. Uh, She was on ER and other shows. She has not appeared on screen since 2004. Now... It's just me, but it felt like the show wanted to make it seem like Turner and her could have this thing. Yeah, they they were trying but to then, push an energy, and in that last scene with them together, they kind of make eyes at each other. The camera intentionally focuses on that. Right. But, but then she just never comes back. So it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was, uh, was a Jacob's decision or a network decision. Um, spoiler alert, I'm fine that they didn't bring her back. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's just it's just that weirdness to the show where it's like it's almost like the Matthews have this perfect family so they don't have to put things onto the Matthewses like relationships or anything like that. But since Turner's single, it's like, well, what if Turner gets a girl? Mm-hmm. And it's like they they put into these little blocks of like, well, maybe this is a possibility, but uh, you know, it it defeats the whole purpose of the two of them together against the world this year. You mm-hmm. know, if he gets someone and gets serious with them, then what what does that mean for Sean? Yeah. So no matter what, I think it's just odd and weird and awkward and. Yeah, they kind of wrote themselves into a little bit of a corner, and they're not quite sure. With the episodic nature, I don't think they have the flexibility to write themselves out of it effectively. 
Right. Well, and the other problem is, is that because this is a show about teenagers, you you they it's like they try to do a little bit to work with the adults, but there's only so much you can do with them. Mm-hmm. Because if you bring in a character to be a love interest for Turner, that doesn't serve the purpose of the guys mm-hmm. and Topanga eventually, unless there's a true conflict of like say like if Miss uh, not Turner because that's Jonathan's name. Uh, but if Kat, um, I'm blanking on her last name right now, but... Um, we'll just call her Kat because I can't remember yeah. her last name right now either. Yeah. Um, so if she had stuck around and they had made things work with Sean living there, A, awkward, but B, all it would do is potentially divide Sean and Turner. So it's... Yes, it could be good to keep her, but also, what's the point? And again, this is a high school show about high schoolers. Yep. Yeah, as much as they wanted to go for the Friends vibe this season, you you can't have your cake and eat it, too. you got to choose a primary audience. Right. Well, and maybe that's why there's declines here and there, is because they don't really know what audience they're trying to reach. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Good looking people. Let's keep track of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to see Griff is back now. Because, doing business. Yeah, he's doing business. Eric is going to hand Griff some money sneakily. Let's find out why Eric is uh, handing Griff some cash. Can I pat him down? Maybe later, Frankie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Feeny stationery. White as snow, ready for any college recommendation you care to write yourself. Now can I pat him down? Frankie, I'm doing business here. Fine. Hey, wait a minute. How'd you guys get your hands on Feeny stationery? Let's just say it fell off a truck. Oh, I'm uh, going uh, to need a Feeny envelope. Frankie. Tuesday. 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 That's a very griff... A very Griff plot. Yeah, I, I can see him. You know, we, we've seen Griff be smooth and work behind the scenes. I can see Griff selling Feeny stationery to seniors trying to get around the system. <laughs> I, I yep. love Frankie's fine. Frankie wants to pat him down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you get the feeling like when Frankie is with uh, Griff and Joey also they don't have as much free reign to be the thuggish beings they want to be yeah we're not seeing mr brown mr blue frankie and joey right now Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit of a step back from what we saw in the season premiere but it makes a little sense if griff was not around in the season premiere and he was you know either on vacation still or just not around Mm -hmm. he he just wasn't paging them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Must be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Joey. But I do love that ending of like Tuesday, 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 Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. <laughs> Going to need a Feeny envelope. <laughs> but Joey comes running up. He's in a tizzy. And uh, there's <laughs> Griff has this great, uh, great observation of Joey. <laughs> 
Joey, whenever I see you, the phrase small doses comes to mind. <laughs> small doses comes to mind. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't put it better. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, but we get our first real reference to surfing the web in Boy Meets mm-hmm. World because uh, Harley Kiner, whose screen name is Harl Kine, <laughs> has been surfing the World Wide Web and Joey has found out he's going to be busting out of a reform school and is coming home. <laughs> he's going to be breaking out and hiding in next week's laundry shipment. So Joey surfs the internet. Harley surfs the internet. I'm assuming at this point in 95, we're talking like AOL chat rooms or Yahoo SQL chat rooms, whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah. You know, Harley in a chat room just is, I want to see that. I want to see how Harley types in a chat room. I want to see physically how he types. I want to see his typing proficiency, if he's hunt and peck, or if he actually is a typist. And I want to see what he's putting on the screen. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I was not on chat rooms in, in this year, but uh, I could only I imagine that there's a lot of misspelled words and threats. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not going to go well. Uh, Frankie thinks it'll be all right initially, but Joey lets Joey makes him realize, yeah, old leader versus new leader, it's not going to go well. So uh, we'll put a pin in that one, and we hop over to Devin and Sean. Devin did not make a good first impression for me. No, uh, they're uh, you know they set it up nice. She's talking to him. They're you know friendly, kind of feeling him out. Opens his file. He's got a pretty thick student file. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really didn't sit well with me, and it's it's this clip. You know, in my house growing up, all my parents ever talked about were the three M's: money, marriage, and mortgage. My dad always talks about the three B's. Babes, bucks, and brewskis. Your dad sounds colorful. He was a philosopher at the trailer park. He used to say, one man's septic tank is another man's oasis. I never knew what he meant. Could I take a shot? I think he meant what's good for one person doesn't hold for everyone. All right, Dad. I always knew high school wasn't for everyone. Because, you know, not everyone's going to end up in college. So you're not planning on college, huh? And so here's why I get this huge burr, this huge bee in my bonnet or my hackles up or whatever really old dad expression you want to get. Devin did not practice active listening with Sean. Sean openly shares there that he always knew high school wasn't for everyone. And Devin's response is, so you're not interested in college. She blows right past Sean talking about not being interested in high school and not feeling that he fits into high school. And she just goes right on to him not being interested in college and uses it as a setup 
to talk about her gap year she took after high school and her time she spent uh, touring around Europe, which, of course, is going to be interesting to a high school student who's having trouble and struggling to maintain even interest in attending classes in high school. Someone who has a transient lifestyle, who was born and raised in a trailer park with a father who has left him on someone else's doorstep, searching for his mother across the country. Of course, that type of stuff is going to be interesting to him. And granted, she's brand new. She confesses to Sean this is her first her first job as a guidance counselor. I appreciate the honesty she gives with him, but this is absolutely horrible on her part to just blow right past that and ignore this huge nugget he just put out there for him. This this is a conversation that she should have with a graduating senior, not a freshman. No, I agree with you. Like, it doesn't matter if you're interested in college or not. The concern is how to survive the next four years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she just kind of immediately spoke about college with him, you know, freshmen have no desire to talk about college right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Some might, but most aren't. Even those of us who went to college, not all of us were thinking about it that year because we were just Mm -hmm. trying to get through the year. And it's still early on in the school year. So, like, there's no way that's on his brain. Yep. So it's just, you're right, she's not doing active listening. She took what she heard about the, what his what Chet was saying and interpreted it in a way that she wanted for him to hear it, which isn't a bad thing, but she should have made clear of, well, let's not talk about college, let's not worry about college, let's worry about getting you to class. Mm-hmm. How do exactly. we get there? How do we stay yeah. there? How do we focus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> so we'll come back to that. Yes, let's come back to her. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got this nice little runner where Eli's trying to get Mr. Feeney, stroking Mr. Feeney's ego to help his media arts class uh, record some narration for some PSAs they're doing. Mr. Feeney wants to rewrite the script, but, uh, you know, that's a runner. <laughs> Uh, we'll 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 settle that here. Uh, Mr. Feeney gets cut by the class. They wanted Eli instead, and Mr. Feeney does not want his pity because you know Eli says something else will come up. Mr. Feeney oh, doesn't you, want his pity. You know it makes Eli feel good about himself. <laughs> He's like, well, the kids they had Feeney and me, and they chose me. <laughs> but also, it's part of his profession, so he knows how to professionally you know project yeah. himself and. Mm-hmm be serious and silly all in the same spaces Mm -hmm. so like it's the difference between the principal just reading something and Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know a professional yeah but i you know props to him as a teacher for reaching out and trying to loop in the administrator but yeah the kids definitely uh kind of undercut him there (laughs) i'm willing to bet that was eli's idea and the kids just kind of cut it out from underneath them oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so uh we're gonna get back into uh joey and frankie gonna have a yep. conversation yeah i 
emailed a warden that Holly's busting out with next week's laundry. They'll keep him locked up for the next ten years. I'm telling you, Frankie, it is foolproof. <laughs> Hello, boys. Let us review. No time to review. Holly's here. Standing in front of us a week early. Of course. You think I go online with my real escape plan and tip off my enemies? <laughs> <laughs> together again harley is back the real harley is back danny mcnulty mm-hmm. back on our screens oh i must say it does it, it does my heart good to see him <laughs> it is and it's it's one of those deals where this character is this actor like mm-hmm. everything just works and it's perfection you know he's not in a lot of this episode but the bits he's in is perfect mm-hmm. oh yeah and everything feels naturally. And I think that's one of the, the things we didn't talk about before was that the chemistry between the guy they chose to replace Harley for that one episode, it just wasn't there. And that's because they didn't know him. But, like, yeah. for whatever reason, those three together have such great chemistry. Mm-hmm. And the scene with him and Adam Scott in a little bit works really well. Yep. <laughs> it does. Yeah, so they you know, they're they're nervous. Harley's back, and apparently the rumors gotten around school that Harley's breaking out and coming back, and Corey is being Corey and bragging. This is the most Corey Corey he's ever Coreying. <laughs> Corey is Coreying to the the utmost Corey levels of Coreydom. <laughs> walking, walking out of class backwards. backwards. Walking backwards. <laughs> Talking about that greaseball Harley Kiner and walks right into Harley. More likely and... runs the Loch Ness Monster. And here I am in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and gives him his wallet and Harley kind of just holds the wallet and says, I still got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we... We find out Harley sent Corey Baboon threatening letters from reform school. <laughs> yes. Did you get my letters? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, technically, if that incident, quote unquote, with the real Harley, uh, if that's the thing that sent him over the edge, that sent him to the reform school and... You know, Corey technically was all involved. I could see him blaming him. It's kind of mm-hmm. like that Snickers commercial. <laughs> oh, no. There's a direct TV commercial. I can't remember which one it is, but the one that's like, you didn't get enough sleep, so you didn't uh, help your client get off, and he was innocent, and he goes off to jail, and <laughs> he plans, <laughs> plots his revenge to get you <laughs> later on. <laughs> I can't remember what it was selling, but I just remember the premise of the commercial. <laughs> oh, yes yeah harley's coming um, for him yeah he i mean he definitely went off to reform school after that incident uh when he stood up when Corey stood up to him so yeah i can see why why uh harley would have written some uh uh, menacing letters to him. <laughs> yes. And uh, Griff starts paging them. Now, for mm-hmm. any of the young people out there, <laughs> they used to have these devices called pagers. And you would use a pager to tell another pager, hey, call me. Call me, and beat then, me if you want to reach me. Yeah. So then people would go to a book, phone te- book or whatever, or not phone book, a phone booth or whatever and would call <laughs> find out what's going on yes pagers fun technology i never had one 
Kelly did. I didn't have one. I'm going to say I never had one. <laughs> yeah. No, I think for us, on our end, it's like we remember when they first got cell phones. They could have had pagers. Maybe I'll, mm-hmm. I'll ask them. Yeah. My, dad, right now, but. my dad had a pager, but that was because uh, he was a volunteer firefighter, and uh, the, that was the step after what they called a plectron. Uh, that you know, that was the next evolution in contacting firefighters. So, uh, but uh, Harley finds out about Griff, and he wants to set up a meet with Griff the next day at high noon. Uh, it's not going to go well. He's going to find out Griff's blood type. Um, yeah. I I like how they say high noon, and then when the scene actually comes, it's like a western. Oh, yeah. like that's that's nice. That's, there's some nice <laughs> visual gags there, there with this, the swinging. This episode is so weird because there's this. It is. There's, there's really some, intense bits. There's <laughs> there's really some high out. highs. It's, it, I mean, they have like the swinging door on the locker. They've got the blowing paper for the tumbleweed. That fantastic music with the guitar. Oh yeah, and people disappear out of nowhere. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. So we're gonna transition now. Um, Corey is meeting Sean at Chubby's at five in the morning, and he wakes up from a nightmare involving a clown. What time does Chubby <laughs> open? I. I I didn't realize Chubby's sold breakfast. There would be no reason for them to open it enough for Corey to get in at five in the morning unless they sold breakfast. Chubby's I mean, is a burger uh, joint. <laughs> unless it's one of those deals where they leave the door open. But why would you do that? Or they're making yeah. something or just I mean, kind of let people in. There's some staff person in the background uh, taking chairs down or something, but... How did Corey get in? Why did they let Corey in? Why did they let Sean in? And why did they meet up at Chubby's? Granted, at least it's not at the school. And, you know, they had to have a set for them to meet somewhere. But the episode's episoding a little much there. And, you know, I, I call a little bit of... A good boy. Yeah, but this isn't the last time that they meet at Chubby's at random weird hours. No, like. it's it's not. I wonder if Chubby like has a special soft spot for Corey. For Everybody Corky. has a soft spot for Corey. Potsy. <laughs> for Potsy. <laughs> Potsy. <laughs> oh, so Sean lets Filsman on the plan. He's gonna travel, get I don't, to know himself. <laughs> I don't glisten. I don't sweat. I glow. I glisten. <laughs> yeah. Oh Chubby. Yes, he he discovers what Sean wants to do one day, one day after dealing with the counselor. Yeah, he's he's going to travel, get to know himself. He can't be happy. It has nothing to do with school. He's going to go travel. He's going to get to know himself. He can't be happy in school until he's happy with himself. He's thought it all through, but he wants to bum some money off of Corey. What money does he have to do this? I have no clue. I have no clue where he got the money from. We're not like, unless he stole no money from that, Turner. I have no idea how he's doing this. There's no indication that he stole money from Turner. Turner. There's no indication that Chet sends any money. If anything, Chet doesn't send money. I mean, we when he was staying with the Matthews, they had to foot the bill for all of Sean's expenses. Right. So I mean, well, uh, I mean, the only other thing I think of is that like uh, Turner gives him an allowance. That's my best guess. So, I mean, uh, 
I mean, I, I'll just throw this out there. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe because they made him his legal guardian for temporarily, they could be getting state benefits of some form for him. Maybe. I don't think you signed the paperwork for legal guardianship, though, because that's a story point later in this season. So he's well, not even legal guardian. I don't there know. Must, there must this, be a temporary. This is a goobah. St- a goobah, I say. <laughs> it, it is. A goobah. A goobah. I need mean, like a repeating a goobah. <laughs> Uh, so Corey doesn't Corey doesn't endorse the trip, and Sean pulls that whole "if you love me, let me go" routine on him. Yeah, which again, he's done this before, and Corey yep. stood in his way, and for some mm-hmm. reason this time he lets him go. But Brett, but Brett, it's <laughs> five o'clock in the morning when they're meeting, and he's off to the bus station, and Turner catches him before he is there. What time is all this going down? <laughs> like, I I don't understand. Like, because the next scene is we're in the Matthews kitchen and we finally see Alan Matthews. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Eric, you're up early. Hey, Corey, where are you this early in the morning? How early is that? Point? Is it like six o'clock now? Like, yeah. what what is the time frame for this episode? I don't mm-hmm. understand. Yeah, I I'm not 100% certain either. It's it's episode is episoding and we're we're well down the Agubwa rabbit hole. Yeah. But can we talk about this whole Eric writing? Oh, oh, oh yes. Letter? Okay, so Eric's on the typewriter and uh I'm I'm going to I'm going to share I clipped all of Eric's letter that is read on screen. But let's let's set it up. Eric's using the typewriter. Alan does come down and ask him about it, uh, why he doesn't use a computer. Eric's, Eric's cover stories. He's writing a paper about the Amish and just didn't feel right. He won't let Alan read it because the Amish are very private people. Amy comes down and wants to know why Eric isn't using a computer. Did he put a waffle in it again? Mom, I was 15. Let it go. Okay, so with all that set up, Let's listen to first what Eric reads out loud. So in conclusion, I find Eric Matthews to be really, really, really smart, really, really, really nice, and really, really, really good for your school. Really. Yours truly, George Milhouse Feeney, Princip, uh, Princip, uh, head guy. College, here I come. So that's how Eric closes it. Let's hear how Eric opens it. When Amy realizes what it is and what the stationery is on, when Eric's not paying much attention. Dear sir, if you only accept one student this year, make it Eric Matthews. Hey, would I, George Feeney, be writing this letter on my personal stationery if I really, really, really didn't believe that? I caught him in a really, really, really good mood. <laughs> Okay, sometimes these guys try to do a scam, and you're like, hey, they're going to get away with it. But this one just blows up on him immediately. Uh, immediately. Like, at least with the whole uh, paper, like the paper he paid for, at least he was at a point where he turned it in, even though it got switched out on him. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, this is like 
As soon Barely... as the left the typewriter. Uh-huh. <laughs> he had to also... put it in the envelope. <laughs> yeah. I'll also say that I love that uh, Corey walks in during the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. And they go, they, they just try to say, oh, hey, good morning. And he goes, I don't want to talk about talk... it. I said I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I said I don't want to talk about it. You did not say, say that. You did not say that. <laughs> I just so like Cor- how immediately Corey's parents are like, something is wrong. We Something's happening. Yeah. And so Corey, without telling them anything that's going on, I, I'm go- I have to do the right thing. And it's all your fault because of how you raised me. Well, before that, he says, had a really rough morning. I mean, first I had the scary dream. The clowns. Gone again. Yeah. <laughs> I just there. Okay, I know we haven't had that much of Amy and Alan so far this season, but the, the like a scene like this helps clearly show the dynamics in this family. Mm, it really does. They, I mean, you you get to see how they interact. You get a, a feel for uh, just how close they are and how much they trust each other, mm-hmm. and how much faith Corey puts in his parents. What exactly are you doing, Corey? The right thing, and it's all your fault. You had to go and raise me right. And he picks up, he's on the phone, he's calling Turner. Great, it's Turner's machine. Now I got to listen to three minutes of Cat Stevens. Oh, the who am I kidding? I'll just tell him in person. <laughs> and he walks out the door to head to school. And of course, Eric, my, my favorite zinger. <laughs> gonna take a shot in the dark here but something's bugging him and alan's <laughs> response is thanks waffle boy <laughs> yeah oh yeah and it's just that, that scene is it's such a small moment with alan and amy and Corey, but like you said it speaks volumes to how well they've parented Corey. Mm-hmm. Because in the midst of all of his struggle with his emotional weight that he's d- uh, working with and against with what's going on with Sean, they've raised him right. He knows they've raised him right to do the right thing and to watch out for his friends and to take care of his friends. And even though it might offend them, that he needs to speak up and let the people who can do something about it know. I love it. That scene is yeah. cold. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's the thing is that like this, uh, I mean, maybe it is just this writer that we're talking about, but there's certain episodes when the dynamic of the family is so pronounced and the way they speak to each other, the way that it's clearer than some episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the like Alan is just so sharp as well. Like he is on track of what's going on with both of his son and, and managing it well. And Amy is there as well. And they're working together. Mm -hmm. The only thing we're missing is Morgan saying something like, I've been up since six (laughs) o'clock. Yep. Uh, She hasn't come down from her timeout yet. (laughs) Yes. She's in timeout right now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Corey does get to school. Uh, he lets Jonathan know that uh, Sean has taken off. He doesn't have South African sloth. And uh, he doesn't know where he's taken off. I d- he had the meeting with the guidance counselor. Next thing, uh, they split. He split. So uh, John lets him know he did the right thing. And he goes to find uh, the guidance counselor. 
And the interaction with the guidance counselor, John is very for the emotional state John is in. He's actually very, very, very courteous initially mm-hmm. where he says, you know, I, I'm I sent Sean to you yesterday. Uh, he's run away. Do you have any idea where he went? Um, why don't you tell me what you guys talked about so I can make some sense of this? And she tells him about, you know, they talked about family and college and finding yourself. And then uh, I did clip this segment here because uh, I wanted to talk about that. Uh-oh. What? I did mention my year off in Europe. You said that? Come on, you're a guidance counselor. What kind of guidance is that? Back up. I only spent a half an hour with him. He's lived with you for four months. Why do you think he ran away? Ooh, that was good. Ooh, that was not good. <laughs> no, but in this little moment of her kind of standing up for herself to probably, in a way, kind of a, you know, intense man coming up to her, mm-hmm. fellow, you know, educator, you know, this was a good way for her to respond of like, well, this is what we talked about, but like, y- you're with him. You, mm-hmm. Why do you think he walked away? Mm-hmm. So and it's not a bad thing. And I, uh, there is that, you know, you send your kid to get talked to for emotional support, mental stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and you think, well, they're going to go there and you're going to talk to them and solve the issues. You know, that doesn't get solved. It just means it's another thing for them, uh, for them to be helped. But there's other work that has to get done that if you don't do that work, you're more likely to feel that. Mm hmm. So, yeah. And while it's good that, yeah, in, in that moment, yeah, I mean, John definitely could have been more civil. He, he could have had a lot more tact with how he responds. I don't blame him for being, a, for acting in, in his frustration. I mean, as a real person, I probably would have come across the same way in that moment if I had that situation. Yeah. What I take issue with is her sentence before that. And, this is with this is with the uh, with the benefit of having the omniscience of the viewer and knowing what their conversation was and knowing that she really screwed up by completely ignoring the here and now and taking this high school freshman and taking his struggles now and transposing it into four years later. Her sentence before that was we talked about family and college and finding yourself. And then realizes a day after and after she's told he ran away just how badly she screwed up. And then when confronted it and realizes I did mention my year off in Europe, she didn't mention it. She had a whole conversation about it. That's what led into her sitting on the desk and talking all about going to Spain and whatnot. You know, and when 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 John has when John does go off and say, you're a guidance counselor. What kind of guidance is that? Her, I I don't blame her defending herself, but I cannot defend how she chooses to defend herself and deflect all of the blame back on him. I was with him for a half hour. You've, he's been with you for four months. Yeah, we've seen that John and Sean are, 
Yeah, hey, there rhymes. We've seen John and Sean don't have great communication. I mean, we've had four, this is four episodes now, and that's been at least two episodes, the thrust of two episodes now. Yeah. We've seen they don't have great communication. But this is someone who is admitting in the open, I screwed up, and taking and deflecting all of the blame back at someone who is desperately trying to figure out where he went. <laughs> yeah, but then again, though, Brett, we're talking about two people who are most likely in their uh, they're in their twenties. Mm-hmm. She for sure is in her oh, young twenties. Her, her very first job as a guidance counselor. Uh huh. And he's you know probably I'd say late twenties at this he's point. Like, yeah, late twenties. But like they're still young, <laughs> and so yes. like in their head, I'm assuming, at least for her. You know, I talked to a kid yesterday for 30 minutes. He ran away that same night. Like, ooh, that could get me fired. So I need to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying what she did was right, but that's the mindset of a, you know, yeah, young, oh. just into yeah. the first job. Yeah, I can definitely see why the leap was made. I can see why the decision was made. I just can't defend it. <laughs> yeah, I understand, though. But we do need to get to this whole Griff oh, yes, and uh, the, the showdown because <laughs> I I love that the that Frankie and Joe are just sitting in the hallway like things things are going to be okay and then they turn around mm-hmm. and less people are there and then they turn around again and there's a tumbleweed and you know it's just this things feel so hokey out of nowhere in a way they do and we find out just just off the cuff remark. Frankie and Joey rely on Frankie's mom for transportation and a carpool. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought I, I we'll find be here till so 330. Oh, that carpool. Darn you and your mom carpool. <laughs> I just it's just it's just fun. And mm-hmm. so Frank or uh, Harley shows up. Griff shows up and they have this intense standoff where. You know what? It's Harley's last episode. I clipped it. We're going to listen to it. I figured you it. would. <laughs> oh, and it's also Griff's last episode, too. Here I am, punctual as is my way, yet I do not see the object of my despise. So I guess you were sent up for bad grammar? <laughs> this is Griff. <laughs> Where's the rest of them? So, Brando, I hear you want to pound me. Pound is such a wussy word. I prefer... No, pound works. What are you waiting for? See, the sooner you hit me, the sooner Feeney finds out, the sooner you're back in reform school. But I'm sure a smart guy like you already figured that out. (laughs) He's a think of this one. So the fight's over. Who's up for little Chinese? They're both smart. Yeah. I, I just was thinking about this, and these two literally are f- from the same chord. Like, Griff comes from money, because he mm-hmm. kind of just ends up throwing it around. He does do business things, but there's a strong chance he's got money at home. Mm-hmm. And Harley, you know, comes from nothing. And both of them probably don't have great relationships with their fathers, well, probably none, um, and no real authority figures. They kind of become authority figures in their own lives in a way. But uh, 
I kind of feel like both of these two are smart in their own ways, and the school is not for them. Mm-hmm. What they need to learn, school can't teach them. Mm-hmm. At least they think so. So it's just it's so weird because this is both of their last episodes, and it's almost like we're saying goodbye to part of this of of the show of you know it's like season two kind of trickled into this season and now this is the last time we're we're going to be a part of this Mm -hmm. Corey gets bullied you know type of environment yep um which is a good thing and i again these characters are wonderful joey and frankie are quite terrific as well but we're going to say goodbye to them soon uh, more more Joey here quicker than yeah Frankie is, um, but regardless, it's it's a great moment, and the actors are terrific. They both one of the things that strikes me and stands out the most that that they are most like each other. They both lean on having other people do things to get their hands dirty. Like Frankie or Frankie Harley is not afraid to punch someone. No. But, he, he has lackeys threat. to handle. Yeah. He has lackeys to handle most of the work. Griff is all about moving the chess pieces around and getting other people to do things for him. But Griff lays the the the, the plan out here. You hit me, you're going back. Uh, Harley says, all right, fine. I call your bluff. Frankie, Joey, you do it for me. And we finally get Frankie and Joey decide to stop being lackeys and be their own man. Yeah. They're, they're tired of being used. Mm-hmm. And they stand up for themselves. And it really is a beautiful moment for these characters to go past the one dimension that they were last season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they both let them know that they're, they don't want to be their lackeys and both yep. of them go, okay, fine. Yep, Griff's fine with it. Harley wants to figure out how to beat this newfound uh, spine out of them. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we get Corey backing out again and uh, <laughs> gets get, Just uh, right into his hands. <laughs> I want to see the look on his face when he finds out it was a fake wallet. <laughs> it looked like this, but perturbed. <laughs> And with that, Brett, we can officially say thank you to Adam Scott for your hard work. And to Danny McNulty for your hard work. We thank you both for your time on Boy Meets World. You are both fantastic. And it will not be the same without you. if you ever hear about this podcast, please, we'd love to talk to you about it. Yes. uh, Our our, uh, Instagram has been following Danny uh, and his journeys on Instagram. uh, Nice. Yeah. Love to. I got to reach out to him. We'll see. Yeah. So we're going to jump over to the bus station where Sean is sitting next to a bum who probably looks familiar to a lot of you good looking people. This is uh, played by a gentleman by the name of Carmen Philpy. First and only time we'll see him on Boy Meets World. Uh, 106 acting credits to his name. He did pass away in 2003. So it's been 20 years. Uh, you may have seen him in Wonder Woman from the 70s. Barney Miller, Fantasy Island, Escape from New York, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Beetlejuice, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Growing Pains, Quantum Leap, Wayne's World, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Sister, Sister, Home Improvement, The Wedding Singer, Sabrina the Teenage Teenage Witch. Way too many more for me to take time on this podcast to share, but 
if you think you've seen him, you probably have. I'm feeling a lack of step-by-step connections this season, and I'm not liking that. There haven't been any. I have looked for them. Four episodes in, I don't think we've had one. No. Like, it's been a while since I've sang that song. I know. I've been looking for them. No. Yeah. Uh, but I like that they're sitting there with a giant basket. <laughs> and it's... Thanks to George Feeney. <laughs> hey, there's teeth in this basket. Oh, wait, those are mine. <laughs> uh, but Turner comes in. Uh, he was thinking, Sean Hunter, Europe, bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because Sean's going to go to Paris TX. Sean thinks it means tax. It's Paris, Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here we have, you know, we've got a nice, we got a nice conversation between them. Uh, but we're four episodes in. We're, we're already starting to fall into some tropes with these two again. Sean's pulling away again, and he blames it on, John, you're busy. You've got your own stuff going on. And it's not like you're my dad. And John is falling back into reminding Sean that it, I'm not. I'm your buddy, but I'm not just your buddy. I care about you and what's going on in your life, and I am responsible for you. And so we've got that set up, but I really like what all that leads into, and uh, it's this. I'm used to being on my own, and it's uh, it's made me realize that i got to look out for myself. So I'll see you later. Thanks for the roof. Sean, get back here. You're not going anywhere. I'm going to Europe. No, you're going to Texas. <laughs> Come on, you're 15 years old, you got no money, and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. You think there's a chance that I'm right? I don't know. You're coming home with me where you belong. Okay? Look, if you really want to go to Europe, we'll go together next summer. I could see that working. But only if you start going to class and getting those grades up. Okay. Come on. You got a history test to make up. I really like seeing Turner get firm with him. And this season, was, uh, with the situation that Turner's in with Sean, uh, being this responsible guardian figure, he's finding that dad voice that Sean uh-huh. needs to have in his life. And you know, this is at least twice this season that we've seen Sean need to hear that dad voice. You know, we saw it when he got up in Sean's face. You know, 15-year-olds should not be bringing girls back to an empty apartment. And here we see it with Sean, get back here. Sean responds to that type of an authority figure, one that doesn't back down from him and doesn't let him get away with crap. And Turner is discovering that this is who he needs to be to connect with him, not just the buddy, but he needs to have that firm hand as well. And I like seeing that growth in their relationship as yep. John discovers just what kind of a guardian he needs to be to Sean. And Sean realizes what he needs from John. Yeah. Well, he's learning that in order to actually support him and care for him the way he needs to, he has to act parent like. He has mm-hmm. to. And if he doesn't, it's only going to hurt Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, we have to do this with our children. Like when we were on our trip, the amount of times you and I would have one of us would have to be like, no, that's (laughs) not what you're going to do right now. Go do this. Listen to your mother. (laughs) The dad voice works. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I I love this interaction with these two and it, it helps lay the groundwork as well of their closeness and the willingness that Turner has to do whatever he needs to do to help Sean. Mm hmm. You know, and that that is part of being a dad is I will do this to help you. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times when I've had to be stern and firm with my son and punish him in a way that I turn to my wife and I go, I am I hate who I am right now because I don't like what I had to do. And mm-hmm. we both go, but we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you have to discipline and force your children to do things and you know you hate it but you love them and you'd much rather see them be a better person now than turn into a jerk someday because you let them get away with it yep so but yes uh the tx (laughs) tax is not tax Unfortunately, uh, I, I wish they would have given the bum uh, a, a name and not just bum. I'm sorry, good looking people. That, that's what he's credited as, is bum. I, he's a homeless <laughs> guy at the bus at the, station. The bus station. But uh, Sean gives him his ticket and he goes, all right, I'm going to Europe. <laughs> uh, and our tag, uh, Corey, is uh, treating oh, Devin as... Oh, we, oh. we forgot the bum did say... Hey, kid, listen to your dad. Oh, yes, yes. Listen to you your dad. You got distracted by the whole bum name. So, yes, yeah, yes, but, I did. I did, yes. Hey, kid, you should listen to your dad. And and instead of saying he's not my dad, Sean, Sean says, yeah, I think I'm going <laughs> to. Did you did you clip the, sh- the Corey freaking out? I didn't clip it, no. Okay. I just love it. It's like, if I don't tell Turner, Sean runs away and I'll lose my best friend. If I tell Turner and Sean gets mad, even and even if he does come back, I lose my best friend. I mean, either way, I lose. Plus, Kyle <laughs> Kiner's back. I'm running out of wallets. Out of wallets. <laughs> like, having these circus dreams. It's really not the type of counseling that I do, but when you're ready to talk about colleges, come back. <laughs> yeah, and we could have a short discussion about responsibility of a counselor during fun facts or uh, during deep dives. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's a spiraling moment for Corey that we've gotten kind of used to seeing and will only become more prevalent in the future. Yeah, yeah. I found it amusing that he was laying on the couch, kind of treating her like a therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then Sh- yes. Sean walks in and everything's fine. Yep. He's back and Turner and Devin make eyes at each other. And uh, Corey and Sean go out in the hallway and Corey's all, I'm not going to be doing all this again. And, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to cover for you again. Ah, he already took the biology test for Sean. <laughs> yeah. And that good looking people is he said, she said. So, Tyler, let's listen to your or get into your deep dives. Deep 
Okay, before we get started, I do have to say, this is not the last time this title is used. <laughs> so, I don't I don't understand this show sometimes, but, you know, continuity, it's not yeah. important. <laughs> so, let's start off with a simple one. Sean is about to order Forrest Gump on pay-per-view. Forrest Gump came out in 1994, stars Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, and Gary... Uh, Sinesis. Uh, it's the history of the United States from 1950s to the 70s unfold through the perspective of an Alabama man with an IQ of 75 who yearns to be reunited with his childhood sweetheart. If you've never seen the movie, I'm going to be honest with you. I think you should. It's good. It's harmless. Are there some ridiculous jokes? Yes. But let's talk Academy Awards because... I believe he said he has to pee. Yes. I must drag me about 15 Dr. Peppers. Because this was a huge movie for the Oscars and other awards as well. They were nominated for Best Music, Best Makeup, Best Visual Effects. No, sorry. They won for Best Visual Effects. Nominated for Best Effects and Sound Editing. Won for Best Film Editing. Nominated for Best Sound. Nominated for Best Art Decorations. Set Decorations. Nominated for Best Cinematography. One for Best Writing Screenplay Based on Materials Previously Produced or Published. One for Best Director. Robert Zemeckis, nominated for Best Actor in Supporting Role, won for Best Actor in a Leading Role, and won for Best Picture. This movie is a big deal. I know that there are some cinema people out there that say this movie isn't as good as other movies that came out that year, but you know what? It's a good movie. I say go watch it. Why not? Don't be a stick in the mud. I was looking up a little bit about just the interweb around 1995, but basically it's just at that time there was just AOL chat rooms that were out that people could go on and talk to each other and you know I'm pretty sure that's all it really was. Corey mentions Cat Stevens so you know that is a real uh, singer-songwriter. Born July 21st 1948. He is still alive. He's from England and he's apparently produced some really big music. I don't recognize him just based on his name. That's why I looked him up. But his debut album in 1960 67 was also a title of a uh, first hit was Matthew and Sons or Son. Apparently in 2005, he wrote a song called The First Cut is the Deepest. There are people that apparently are quite aware of him. I am not one of those people. Fruit Baskets. Essentially from what I discovered is that Fruit Baskets, ever since, you know, people started plucking fruit and other sorts of gift baskets they've been given like there's not like an official like this is the first person to do it especially like in ancient times you know people would bring stuff to the kings you know here are our best things and you know if you look at things like the bible uh there's stuff in there about being the best of the best those things being offered you know at the temples so you know it's not that uncommon for something like this so this kind of a just a broad general thing for us not to be able to have like specific but yeah it's just mostly a want to confirm of like as long as there's been fruit people have been giving it away and there's been fruit since the beginning or however you want to look at the universe you know whenever people started becoming pickers and gatherers you know fruit baskets have been a thing 
Now, if you want to talk about edible arrangements, I could do a deep dive on that sucker. because Those things are good. Well, just so you know, Brett, sloth is not a disease or sickness <laughs> or illness. I looked, didn't find nothing. But I did find uh, some fun facts about sloths, so I figured I'd read a couple of us for us. Sloths are blind. They have a condition known as monochromacy, which means they lack cone cells in their eyes, which leads to them being colorblind with a lack of vision. This is also why sloths do not run as fast. Sloths have an amazing sense of smell to make up for the eyesight. Sloths have a great sense of smell. (laughs) Therefore, they have a great spatial memory. (laughs) They're faster in water than they are on land. Sloths can swim three times as fast in water as they can on land. This is partially due to them being able to keep their nose above water while swimming. And they prefer to be in trees. It's not often that a sloth will leave their tree and they'll view the tree as their home. Uh, their home is seen as the safest place uh, for them as it is high above the ground and they can protect themselves from predators. I actually found a website that has 21 fun facts about sloths. So if anyone wants to see that, I have no problem sending it to you. Let's talk about Paris, Texas. So first of all, Paris, Texas is a real place. It is a city and a county seat of Lamar County, Texas, uh, located in northeast Texas on the western edge of the Piney Woods. And they have a population currently of about 24,000. For Texas, it's not a big city whatsoever. But, you know, for a place like here, for, for the we're used to, it's pretty big. I was trying to look up specifically how to get to Paris, Texas, because that's what Sean's ticket says is to Paris, Texas. And unfortunately, Brett, episode, episode, because there is no way to get directly from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Paris, Texas. It is not that far away from Dallas, however. So you can say hop on a flight, fly to Dallas and then take a bus or an Uber over to Paris. Basically, I was on this website called Rome to Rio. I've never heard of it before, but basically gives several different options for how you can get somewhere and has like different ranges of prices for that travel. It was kind of interesting. I'll I'll send it to you. I have no plan of using this in my personal life, but it was was kind of interesting like to see all the different types and the different ranges. Honest to goodness, the ranges that I've seen all together is like anywhere from like $187 to like 1,120 like so there's a a giant range for the money that is required to do this traveling now that's looking at this today because again as we've spoken about before finding facts like this in the 90s is almost impossible maybe for someone else who's a lot smarter than I am on being on the internet but for me it's easiest to find what it is today which which leads me Brett to a simple conversation we need to have for Sean to take a bus To straight up drive down to Texas is a complicated travel for a high schooler. And they literally would have had to, like, map out for him of the connecting buses he would have to do. Because it would not be a straight shot. That's not going to be a typical route to go from straight from Philadelphia over to Paris. But 
you know, it's not impossible for them to be able to to do that. It's just it's going to take a long time. There's no good way of getting there. We're talking about times anywhere between like if you're flying like eight hours, nine hours, potentially 10 hours. And if you're taking buses all the way, you're looking at like 32 hours. One of these I'm seeing if you take like trains, it could be like 52 hours like these are long journeys and not easy. Not an easy way for a high school student to be able to go to Paris, Texas, especially from Pennsylvania. It's just that the misunderstanding of how everything operates and all that jazz. Like, if you were to tell me who's trying to get to Florida, that makes more sense logically, logistically, than trying to get to Texas. But, Brett, I think you and I, for this last one, should just have a general discussion about guidance counselors i agree because i don't think they quite had a handle on what a guidance counselor's role is in a high school now i have a short summary and then i think we should talk about that all right so as i said uh, guidance counselors will assist students in areas of academic achievement personal and social development and career exploration so that each student can identify personal goals, strengths, weaknesses, interests, and to grow to become a well-adjusted and productive adult. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> to jump, as we talked about before, to jump from you don't like high school to so you're not going to college, that's missing this bar, I think. Because mm-hmm. that's just to assume that the only option is to go to college. And it's, it's just not. Yeah. And even at the end of the episode, she tells Corey that, you know, this isn't the kind of counseling I do. But, you know, if you're ready to look at college, you know, that's the type of thing I do. Like, it, it with, within the confines of the episode, they write Devin to be only in the role of I guide students to college. And that's I mean, that that tends to be the be all end all of of education within the world of Boy Meets World anyway, that college is the next step. It it needs to happen. I mean, we talked about that ad nauseum with Eric's journey anyway, but as frustrated as I get and as much as I dislike Devin's character and as Badly as her character mangled uh, Sean in this episode, she is very limited by the way she's written because they did not write a guidance counselor to be a guidance counselor. They wrote a character whose sole job is to focus on getting students to college, and that is her job description, a rookie character whose sole job is to get characters to college. And that really is doing a disservice to not only the character, but the profession, because in 1995, as a a, a late middle schooler, you know, in 1995, I was 1995. I was uh, 13. I just turned 13 about a week and a half before this episode aired. And so my concept of guidance counselors was kind of nebulous at the time. 
and to see this and to, to this is not an uncommon uh, interpretation of what a guidance counselor was that they were there to get you on towards college and on towards your next ed- step in education. It really shortchanges the viewer to misunderstand mm-hmm. that badly. So really, I mean, as as much as as much as I complain and I bark about Devin, it really lies at the feet of the writers. Yeah, no, uh, yes, exactly. And I mean, let's be honest, being a guidance counselor can be a very tricky and difficult job. Oh, yeah. Um, because you do have to take into effect of the mental state of a lot of the students you're working with and what is the best for them and how can you assist them and help them. And a lot of times they don't feel like communicating properly. And even if mm-hmm. they do communicate properly, you have to be able, you have to be ready to listen. You know, and sometimes that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, most often when I saw my guidance counselors, it was I need to set up my schedule for next year and I need to apply for school. And that was it. Like, I never really needed mm-hmm. to see them, but some people did need to see them on a regular basis mm-hmm. and had to talk with them about how do we get back into school? How do we get back into the classroom? Um, because I their job is essentially to help them to be able to find it in themselves to be able to finish the work mm-hmm. and to keep going and to graduate. Yeah. And uh, I think Sean and the episode would have been better served by either cutting out half of the story for this episode, you know, Definitely jettisoning the Feeney and Eli stuff, maybe taking the Eric stuff. I mean, don't cut it. It's it's hilarious. Throw it in another episode as a B story somewhere. And really exploring with a better written guidance counselor or let this be an actual counselor for Sean and let him really dive into the stuff that would have benefited so much more. And granted, right. 95 95 mental health still had a lot of stigma to it. Mental health yeah. care still had a lot of stigma to it. So yeah. uh, I, I do, I wouldn't have expected this to be, you know, taking place 30 years ago, the way I'm envisioning it. Right. But there's just, there's so much going on in this episode that it really undercuts this, a story a lot in a lot of different ways. And this, this whole, this guidance counselor fiasco is probably the biggest victim yeah. Well, and the other part to all this is that this is another episode again that could have benefited from being a two-parter. Yep. Of Sean trying to run away and Corey letting him run away and then Turner having to go get him. Yep. Sean you know. gets on the bus to be continued. <laughs> yeah. Um so it, it's all part of that too and it's it's the desire to have everything wrap up in a neat bow. And this is just, it's, as we said before, this is a weird episode. It is. Because <laughs> there, this episode has a lot of high, high points, but also it does have some low points and some logic leaps that we have to make to make it happen. 
It feels like one of those episodes where, you know, we've talked before about in the writer's room, they'll have like all these cards on the wall, the things they want to happen each season. It feels like one of those episodes where they just said, let's take four cards and make them all happen in this episode. Yeah. And <laughs> again, Corey, the main character, I don't think he was even really a part of this story. He really wasn't. His his interactions are he walks backwards into <laughs> into Harley. He plays with a papaya and he has that scene he he meets Sean at Chubby's and he uh has that scene with uh with Alan and Amy in the kitchen. That's really about it. <laughs> yeah. He has yeah. like three three minutes of screen oh, well. time, so <laughs> Well Brett, should we uh Talk about some grades or... Uh... Well, let's talk about what we learned first. You know anything about the Odyssey? Huh? Did I say you could talk? I didn't teach you that. My friend Mr. Matthews will lead the discussion. Do I have to draw you a picture? Yes, you do have to draw me a picture, Corey. Tyler, what did you learn this week? Oh, it's a lesson I think we've discussed before, but I think this is a great episode to talk about it again. You have to be so careful with your words. Just, you know, you're not talking to a peer when you're talking to a teenager, child in in a setting where you have authority just based on your title because you can influence them to do something that you didn't tell them to go do that thing. But they were like, I'm going to go do the thing, <laughs> um, you know, and you're like, well, why did you do that? Well, you told me to. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's understanding the authority you have based on your title and your role um, mm-hmm. and just being very cautious with what you say and also making sure people understand what you said before you leave. Um, you know, like if I was her, I would have said something to the effect of, hey, let's remember something. <laughs> uh, you are still in ninth grade. And we can't worry about what's happening after school. We just have to worry about now. <laughs> so yep. I want to see you at school tomorrow, ready to go. So, yeah, I think just being very cautious with your words. Like, yep. Also, you can go with parenting as well, by the way. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a bonus. Learning number one, don't take the easy way out. Just like Eric. <laughs> you really, really, really find yourself up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> but the more really, serious really, really one. really, really, didn't pick it out. <laughs> but the more serious one, the one I actually wrote down here. Um, listen fully and actively when someone is sharing with you. There's a popular adage that pretty much all of you good looking people at home likely to have heard that goes along the lines of better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. A lot of times it gets attributed to Lincoln or to Twain, but it really wasn't from either one of them. It predates them. And, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to tell who it comes from. But the gist behind it is simple. Don't be so quick to speak. Be a lot quicker to listen and pay attention when you're listening. We, as people, we want to offer our wisdom. We want to offer our advice, and that's good. But don't be so quick to offer advice and guidance and wisdom with 
without really listening first. Because if you offer wisdom at the cost of genuinely listening first, it's going to be dangerous at best. And as we saw and he said, she said, it can be downright disastrous. And that goes for any situation in life, school, parenting, job, anything. That's universal. <laughs> yeah. So let's grade this sucker. I'm right. No, you're exactly right. So am I done with my education? Can I go? Tyler, how would you grade? He said, she said. I'm going to go with a B minus. This this episode has some really strong moments, um, both on the parental front and both households. Um, halfway decent teaching. Um, you know, a lot of funny moments. And just the the ending of the saga that is Griff and Harley, um, that accounts for something. It's like a part of my childhood's going away now with those two leaving as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we're truly transitioning into new territory in the show. Yeah. Um, but then again, there are some very hard leaps in logic. There's a lot of things happening. Eric looks like a giant doofus this episode, and Corey seems so cocky this episode. <laughs> uh, but I think a B- minus is fitting. Mm -hmm. I I vacillated a lot. Um, I, yeah, I really went back and forth. Um, I'm landing on a C minus. Um, you know, like you said, there's some strengths here. I, I love the parenting. I love John and Sean in the end. I love Griff and uh, and Harley. And I hate seeing them go, seeing them go, but I, I do love that they got to meet and we got to see that. But the disservice to Devin, that Devin was such a pivotal player and the damage that she managed to, to wreak and just there's so much disjointed just at a structural level. It's so disjointed as an episode there's just so much to try to work through. Uh, it's, it's just, there's, there's a lot there that just needs to be refined. Yeah. So well, I'm, Devin, I'm going with this. Devin's the scapegoat. That's, there's no way around it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sad because the writing kind of demands that you blame her and it's really the writer's fault. Yep. Um, sorry, Jeff, I love you, and I love the other stuff that I listed that you wind up writing, but this this one was not. <laughs> In the words of George Feeney. Not your best work, Mr. Matthews. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with my C- minus there. I thought so, you were going to go D. I, that's what I was vacillating back and forth between. It was a D or a C-. minus. It was never a D+. Plus. Well, good. Um, yeah, I, I was being a little more gracious. That that talk there about Devin while we were discussing in the deep dives is what brought it back up a little bit. I was she was the scapegoat. Yeah. <laughs> e scapegoat. But, hey, yeah. you know what? Episode's gonna episode, man. Yep, yep. And you know, we're just gonna call. Agubwa. 
So uh, before we say goodbye to the good looking people, I've got a uh, I've got a dad joke for you. Hit me. So Albert Einstein was a genius, but his brother Frank was a monster. <laughs> <laughs> And so, good-looking people, that is going to be it for us this week. We thank you for uh, giving us your time. We know that sometimes these episodes go a little long, but that's why podcast catchers have the ability to make it go faster. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, seriously, we uh, we thank you guys who do listen. We know that uh, that you're out there and that we would yeah, we'd love that uh, there's people that like to listen to us talk. Uh, you can connect with us online outside the podcast at uh, social media at Dad's Meat World, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X. Um, and you can send us emails at dadsmeatworld at gmail.com. And you can check out our shop with con- tons of cool swag. I am tired tonight and I'm losing the ability to talk <laughs> <laughs> at dadsmeatworld at threadless.com. Tyler, did I forget anything? <laughs> good night, good looking. They want you to take the rules! Good night, good looking. You know, how can I learn so much every week and still be so stupid? You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head for Studios. Tell your story. <laughs> I reversed the order on those two. <laughs> That's all right. I can fix it in post. <laughs> Vast emotional damage. Now it works. Yay, there it is. <laughs> Oh, I got like three hours of sleep last night. Nice. Uh, That, uh, well, here, I'll just play it. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, wrong one. (laughs) Here it is. Yes, I agree. Yeah, sorry. I was (laughs) chewing whenever you stopped. Um, But, uh, yeah, you heard that? Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, they were barking, yeah. <laughs> okay. Honestly, for a moment, I'm like, hey, are they is something happening? Oh. Yeah, they're probably just barking to be let back in. I'm not far from the door when they come in. But uh, 